are you dangerous? Uh, and I've asked you this three times now, so let me ask you a question. Are you dangerous? Yes. Well done. Good answer. Let me ask you another question. Does hell know your name? Yes. Right. Now, if you're new and this is your first week, I just want to caveat that question. Um, as way of a reminder for all of us as well, of course, there is an account in Acts where the apostles are going out and doing the mission, the ministry, and the message of Jesus and casting out demons. And does that happen today? Yes, it does. Anyway, some Jewish priests thought, well, we'll give this a go. So they go ahead and give it a go. And they say, well, in the name of Jesus that Paul uses, and uh, all of a sudden this demon-possessed person, the demon turns around and says, uh, well, Jesus we know, Paul we've heard of, but who on earth are you? And then they, well, you know the rest of the story. And you see, hell should know our name because we're called to be dangerous to the enemy's kingdom as we extend God's kingdom. It's actually a mandate that we have been given in the Great Commission. Who knows that to be true? You know, we, when we looked at that mandate, the mission, the ministry, and the message of Jesus that we should be taking on as we extend God's kingdom. And we looked at how we do that through praying for the sick, through deliverance ministry, through extending justice and peace, and spreading the good news of Jesus. And then the second week, uh, we looked at the question of, okay, then you... You want to do that? Great. Well, have you counted the cost? Because there is a cost involved to walk in a dangerous faith. And I said last week, there is a difference between being a crowd of Jesus in the crowd of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus. There is a difference between being in the crowd of Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. And you alone can make that decision. Not me. You you want to be on the outskirts and be part of the crowd, that's fine. But you won't be dangerous to the enemy. You won't walk in that dangerous faith. And we looked at what it means to count the cost, to die to ourselves, to die to others, to die to our possessions. And we looked at Luke 14, 24. And, you know, I just want to remind us as I continue this week on um, the seven statements that I provided for us all of the hallmarks of dangerous faith. They are these, and they're going to be on, up on the screen as way of a reminder. There they are. Dangerous faith will cost you, not enrich you. Dangerous faith seeks to serve and save others, not ourselves. Dangerous faith seeks the, sees the invisible, not rely on the visible. Dangerous faith seeks to bring glory to God, not build a name for ourselves. Dangerous faith requires courage, not the path of least resistance. Dangerous faith is utterly dependent on God, not independent from God. And dangerous faith seeks a better home, not this one. And in many ways, as I said last week, this is in contrast, these, state, these statements, to the type of prosperity gospel faith that is banded around today that is so prevalent in our Christian circles. If you were to do a Google search, or indeed on Amazon, or whatever your preferred location for books, etc., and put Christian faith, a lot would come up akin to self-help and life coaching. You can have your best life. You can have that shiny car if only you had faith. Have we heard all this stuff? Well, the reality is, is that it is true that we need faith as we seek God for things, but that is a magnification, a warped view of what faith is. And that's what a heresy is. You take something of truth and you magnify it to the X degree. And that's the danger of the, the name it, claim it, word of faith, prosperity gospel. 
Because that is not the kind of faith that you read about in the Bible. That is not the kind of faith that Jesus walked. The kind of faith that Jesus walked was a faith that will cost us and require us to surrender and die to ourselves. So with that, what have we got this morning, I hear you ask? Well done for asking. Well, so we looked at what it means to take up the mission of the ministry and the message of Jesus. Tick, you want to do it. Great, well done. Then we looked at what it will cost, and you've counted the cost, and you're ready to do it? Yeah, good. Okay, you're ready to go. How do you do it? What is the kind of faith that you need, and what are the characteristics of that faith in order to do all the stuff that Jesus did? And I, I need to start by getting this really clear for all of us, is that you can have an active saving faith, but have an inactive walking faith. I want to say that again. You can have an active saving faith, but have an inactive walking faith. Now, what on earth do I mean by that? Thank you, Sammy. You can have faith in the saving work of Jesus and the cross, that he died for you and you're saved. You can have a faith in that, but you can have a dormant faith in the walk with Jesus now. I think this, this distinction is so important because when you talk about being dangerous, you, people say, well, I'm a Christian. I didn't ask you if you believe that Jesus saved you. I'm asking if you're walking in that faith. You see, by faith, you may be holding your ticket to heaven, but lack the faith to pick up your passport that God's given you to walk in the kingdom now. I have seen many Christians not be dangerous because they're happy to say, well, I'm going to heaven. Great, me too, can't wait. But what are you doing about it now? Did you know that you're an ambassador for Christ? No, I didn't know that, yes. You have a job to do. Did you know that God has given you a kingdom-issued passport for you to travel this world to extend God's kingdom here? Did you know that? No, I didn't realize that. That's why we need to recognize the distinction between saving faith and walking faith. So where do we read about this walking faith? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Uh, we find it in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, 7. It says this, and many of you know this, and I'm sure you knew where I was going with this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I rather think that this verse is a challenge to say, are you walking your faith? Or is it dormant? Are you just in the waiting lounge for the gate for the airline that says going to heaven? Are you just sitting there waiting for the sign to say now boarding? Or are you using your passport that God's given you and walking out that faith? Because if you don't walk out your faith, you're not going to be dangerous. So, what does it mean? And this is what we're going to do this morning, is really get to the nitty-gritty of what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. You see, the kingdom of God requires you to have faith in the unseen in order to make the seemingly impossible possible. Let me say that once more. The kingdom of God, which is the kingdom that we are supposed to extend through 
ushering in the king, his presence through healings and signs and wonders and deliverance and extending his peace and his justice and his love and salvation. That's the extension of his kingdom. The kingdom of God, that kingdom requires you to have faith in the unseen in order to make the seemingly impossible possible. How does this work? How else, other than faith, would you approach someone to pray for healing? Are you doing that based on what you see? Well, of course, you're seeing the, the, the issue. But you have a faith in the healing power of God, the unseen, in order that you walk that and pray for someone. Are you seeing that? How else, other than faith, would you leave your job without going into anything else because God says he has something for you and you need to wait? And I've spoken to some of you, and that's your testimony. How else would you do that other than faith in the unseen? How else other than faith would you choose to take persecution for Christ rather than to disobey him? I was, the, the dear brother over there who was praying for Iran, you know, the fastest growing church is the persecuted church in Iran. How else other than faith, other than walking by their faith, not by sight, are they resisting and walking in the persecution because of their love and their obedience to Jesus? How else other than faith? And so dangerous faith sees the invisible, not rely on the visible. That was number uh, three on our list. So let's look at this faith thing that we call an invisible faith. And we do that by looking at Hebrews 11. And of course, this is the go-to chapter in the Bible of faith, the, the hall of faith as it's, uh, as it's known. And we're going to read, I want to just turn to your Bibles there and you can put your thumb in it because I'm going to go into reference some of, um, of the story, or not the story, the recounting of the writer of Hebrews. Um, but I want to start on verse 1 and it will be on the screen if you're at home, it will be on your device. It says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So what do we see in here? I'm going to unpack this together as we dive into it. There are two components to faith as it speaks of in this verse, two parts. Number one, faith is seeing or having a conviction of the unseen present reality. I want to say that again. The first component of faith is this, is seeing or having a conviction of the unseen present reality. That's faith. When you have that conviction of what you can't see but know to be true, that's faith. The reality that God exists and is actively working in our lives, that he is always with us, that did you know you have a guardian angel? That's in the Bible. I'm reminded of a story as I was preparing this. I'm reminded of the story of Elijah. And um, Israel were going out to fight against the Syrian army. And um, his servant was panicking because essentially the Syrian army was way larger than they were. And there's this wonderful story in 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. And let me just read you these, these two verses. It's not going to be on the screen. Let me read it. 
When the servant of the man of God, this is Elisha's servant, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And at this point, the servant must have looked around and said, what? Are you kidding me? Have you seen our army? But this is the interesting bit. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and saw and beheld the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. All of a sudden, the servant got a view of the unseen reality. Did you know there are angels in this room right now? I, do I have the faith to pray, Lord, open our eyes to see that? I don't know if I do. Can you imagine though? But that is a reality. I want to say that the reality of the spiritual realm is more real than this one. Crazy though that sounds, but it is true. Who's seen The Matrix? I'm not suggesting that you watch it. This is not a recommendation. I, I don't have a view on it, quite frankly. All of it to say that it presents a point of view that actually is interesting, which is that this isn't as real as that. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to have glorified bodies that we're going to have. In fact, it talks about being clothed with righteousness. You know, you, your spirit, your soul is more real than your physical thing. This is like um, a costume that will one day be replaced. But you, you, your essence, the spiritual you, will live for eternity. And we have a choice of where that, we're going to spend that eternity. But you see, faith is having that assurance and that utter conviction that what is unseen is real. And so in order to be dangerous, we have to have the conviction of this unseen reality of who Jesus is and who we are in him. Otherwise, we're not going to do anything. You know, Jesus, it says in the scriptures that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Now, if you believe that unseen reality, if you have that faith, if that is your present reality, then you will base your walk on that and walk out of that position and say, I'm going to pray for someone because I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? Having faith in the unseen reality is needed in order that you can walk dangerously. That is what it means to walk out your faith. What about the scripture in Ephesians 3? God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ever, than you can ever hope or imagine. That should be your present reality. That should be a truth that you hold on to, even though it may feel like that's unseen. Because if you hold on to that by faith, you'll say, right, let's do this. Let's go. I'm going to go out there into the, into the church in Iran, and I'm going to take Bibles. I'm going to go and do that in China. Do you see what I'm saying here? If you have faith that God can do immeasurably more, then you're going to push into what he has for you. But if you don't have that faith, if you don't have that conviction of what is unseen, then you won't walk in it. Now, the second part of this kind of faith, we've seen the first, is having a conviction of the unseen present reality. 
The second is having an assurance of an unseen future reality. What does it say? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You see, true biblical hope is an assurance of the future reality based on the promises of God. If you want a biblical definition of hope, that's it. The assurance of a future reality based on the promises of God. That's, that's biblical hope. Worldly hope is a desire without any assurance based on no promises at all. Like, I hope that I win the lottery. And I'm not advocating you play the lottery, of course, in that comment. But you hear many people say that. I hope that it doesn't rain tonight. Well, I'd like to see how you control that. You see, biblical hope is not a desire, that, a wishful thinking. It is a conviction of a future reality that will happen based on the promises of God. That is what we put our hope in. Now, you get in this. Like, we have hope that we will be with him for eternity. That is what gives us peace. That is what enables us to endure you know, it said in the scriptures that Jesus was able to go through the cross because of the hope that was laid out for him. Why was Jesus able to go through what he did? Because he had an assurance of the reality of a future with God, the Father. If you don't have that hope, that biblical foundation, you will shrink back and your walk in faith will be dormant. I know this is pretty heavy stuff, but hey, it brings life, so happy days. So in order to walk dangerously, in order to be dangerous to the enemy by extending God's kingdom, you need this kind of faith that sees the invisible, visible now. Who wants that kind of faith, by the way? Because it sounds kind of radical to me. I mean, I, I pray for that faith. Now, we're going to look at it later. How do, we, how do we have that faith? You know, faith is not, come on, Mark, you've got to believe. You've got to believe. That's not how it works. How many of us go, come on, I've got, I can believe this. I can do this. It's not a mental exercise. As we see later, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in us that produces faith in us. It's a gift. Now, I want to look at some examples. What time is it? Oh, plenty of time. A good couple of hours. Um, <laughs> They've removed the clock up there. I can't see the clocks. That's my excuse. I'm sticking with it. So let's look at some of these examples because the writer to the Hebrews gives us some wonderful examples. Let's look at the life of Moses. Hands up here if you think Moses was dangerous. Why was he dangerous? Well, crumbs. I mean, you know, he went up against the Pharaoh, didn't he? And the Israelites are free. I'm sure there's some kiddie song there that I could sing if I knew it. You know, the Israelites were freed and man, Moses is a dangerous kind of guy. It says in, in verse 27, it'll be on the screen, by faith, Moses left Egypt. By faith, Moses walked out of Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured, listen to this, as seeing him who is invisible. Ah, huh. so let's just understand this. Moses was able to walk a dangerous faith and walk out of Egypt and have the courage and the boldness and the endurance. Why? Because he saw him who is invisible. There you go. Faith told him that the invisible God was not only present but for him. 
Who wants that kind of faith? Faith told him that God was more powerful than the Pharaoh. Who wants that kind of faith? Faith told him that his future was secure in God, not in the lavish lifestyle of the royal court that he got so accustomed to. Man, I want that kind of faith. Get me out of this comfort world, Lord, seriously. And so having this faith enabled him to walk dangerously in two ways. Number one, dangerous faith will give you courage. If you're feeling fearful about somebody else or a situation, it is faith that will give you the courage to walk dangerously and go again across that room and say to that person, you know, I know we've been having these issues, but I want to say this, I forgive you, or God loves you, or whatever it is. That's dangerous faith. You're extending the forgiveness and the peace and the love of Jesus. Why? Because your assurance and conviction in the unseen God means that you know he's there for you. We get into the nitty-gritty. Because if you want to walk dangerously, you need to have that kind of faith. What about some other examples that we've got here? Uh, The life of Noah. Who thinks Noah was dangerous? Good answer. What a great guy. Noah. I mean, flip. If it wasn't for Noah, there wouldn't be the line that, that came through for Jesus, and we wouldn't be here, would we? I'm sure there's another song there, a kiddie song about Noah, not that I know it. Let's read uh, verse 7 in Hebrews. It says this, By, well done, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by, well done, unseen. You know, if Noah had relied on what he saw, he would never have walked in dangerous faith. He'd be like, Lord, this thing you say rain, we've never had rain before. It doesn't make sense to me. We get our water, it comes up from the deep. We don't have clouds, so I ain't going to build a boat. Sorry. But he went and built a boat. Do you know, I was working, I was calculating and doing some research on how many years it took him to build the boat. Now, as we read in Genesis, it says that from the moment God said there's going to be a flood till there was, it was 120 years. You can, you can calculate that it took him about 55 to 75 years to build that ark. Now, can you imagine the amount of faith to do that? All right, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? You don't mind carrying on this. I'm enjoying this. It's a boat. What's a boat? Oh, whatever. It's going to rain. Ha <laughs> ha, you're crazy. It's going to come from the sky. It's going to be a flood. You better repent. You're a wacko, Noah. You are crazy, man. He would have had to put up with that for 75 years. I can't put up with that for a couple of minutes. Why? Because he had faith in what? The unseen. Got to love Noah. What is God calling to you which you cannot see? You know, um, the Lord gave me a picture mm, how many years ago? 2014. So quite a while ago. And uh, I remember we had an equip course. You should all do equip. It's amazing. Sign up. Great. Um, And it was Men More Than Beer, it was called. And Derek Fawcett, the wonderful Derek Fawcett was leading it. And it was about giftings, about men walking in the giftings that God had given them. And I remember at the end of the course, he said, right, guys, let's just stand around in a circle and just 
hold your hands out and just pray and ask the Lord to give you a picture and speak to you. So, oh, that sounds good. I was doing that. And all of a sudden, I had this picture. It was so vivid, I can remember it now. I was on the top of a mountain, and down below, I could see hundreds, thousands of people. And I knew in an instant that I was leading these people. By the way, the thought of me being a church pastor at that point was very far. It wasn't like on my radar. It was like, and I, I responded, Lord, I can't lead these people. You, I'm me. And I remember Jesus appeared next to me and said, Mark, you're going to lead these people. And every step of the way, I will give you the gifts that you need to lead. And you know what? How many times I have to remember God's promise. And as I do, I have faith. Faith to do what I'm doing today. Because quite frankly, I am very ill-equipped to do this job. Sorry. Apologies. God says he will always <laughs> equip the called. He doesn't call the equipped. Now, why do I share that story? Because that for me is walking my dangerous walk, please Lord Jesus, by your grace, from a place of faith in the unseen reality that God is for me and he has promised me that he will gift me. So what has God said to you that you have discarded about what he wants you to do with your life? And Noah boy, 55, 75 years. I believe that some of you are on the cusp of being dangerous right now. But I want to tell you with all the love in the world and as your pastor that you're not walking by faith. You're sitting by faith. Your saving faith is active. You have a deep-rooted faith that Jesus loves you and he's died for you and you're going to heaven. But your walking faith is dormant. I want to encourage you to say, God's got more for you. I want to encourage you to say, you have been called to be dangerous. And I want to say, boy, it's an exciting place. Boy, it's a place where you see the miraculous. I mean, who wants to see the miraculous? Well, then you've got to be dangerous. You can't just let it come by you. Go be part of it. You know, let's not be one of those churches where we'll let the guy at the front do it or the woman at the front. No, you do it. Everyone gets to play. Thank you. What about the life of, life of Abraham? I'm just going to carry on until someone says, get off. Um, <laughs> Abraham was dangerous. Who, says, who thinks Abraham was dangerous? I mean, he fathered the Israel nation, and from that, we know the story. Right, let's look at verse 8. Listen, by, well done, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Why did he go out to something he couldn't see? Because he had faith in the unseen reality of God's promise. Man, I want that kind of faith. I want to share you a bit of a story. Um, funny, what kind of funny story? Last week, I literally walked out this building not knowing where I was going. I did it by faith. And it was two, no, it was two weeks ago. Was it three? Two or three weeks ago, I was supposed to have a meeting with some people around lunchtime. And I felt the Lord just saying, you know, I just don't want you to go to that meeting. I said, okay. I was in my office. And I felt the Lord saying, why don't you go to, I just had this kind of conversation. Why don't I go to spa and get some lunch? Spa's down the road. I never normally go to spa. And if I were going to go, I would drive. But the Lord said, just go and walk. Okay. So this is genuinely what happened. I get out, I get out and I start walking to spa. And I'm praying and all that kind of stuff. And I get to spa. 
I get my lunch. I can't recall what it was. It was probably some kind of baguette thing. I like cheese and onions sometimes or hat. Too much detail, I understand. <laughs> so minute, prawn and cocktail crisps and a Diet Coke. Perfect. Meal deal, lovely. So I get my stuff and I start walking back. I'm like, well, this has been pleasant. Now, as I start walking past the Millennium Building, I should have added, Millennium Building got sold a while ago. Um, and we didn't know who bought it. And we wanted to know who bought it because when they sold it, it meant we couldn't use the car parking anymore. And that has been a real pain for us, a real problem. Um, and so anyway, I'm walking back, and all of a sudden I see these three men walking in the car park. I'm like, man, this timing is perfect. So I'm, I feel prompted. Hello? Hi. Hi there. Yeah. Sorry, could you just come over here? And they think I'm a nutter, which I probably am. But anyway, they come over. I said, hello there. My name is Mark. I'm the pastor of the church over there. Oh, hello there. And we start conversing. He goes, oh, and he, I'm a Jew. I said, oh, fantastic. And we start talking about stuff. He says, oh, my wife's a Messianic believer. I said, oh, wonderful. And I said, listen, um, you should come and visit us. But you're going to need to park. So any chance we could have the parking? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I said it exactly like that, but he knew what I was saying. I said, he goes, well, listen, I don't own the building. And by this point, the other two guys had walked away thinking, I don't know what these guys were on, because we were chatting for a good 15 minutes. I said, listen, we really need the parking. Um, he said, well, a huge company, a global company bought this building, and they're going to let it out. So I can't promise anything, but I'll tell you what, why don't I go and find out and let you know? Anyway, cut a long story short, he called his boss of this huge company, and they said, we would love to. And then last week, we got the keys. Thank you, Lord. Now, why do I share that story? Because I left, and I'm not going to say like Abraham, because that was way bigger. But I left my office because God prompted me to, and I was attuned to the Spirit of God enough to, work, to follow his promptings, and then something happened. Now, how many of you have missed out on opportunity to be dangerous because you haven't followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit? FYI, don't miss it. That's what it means by dangerously walking your faith. I really should stop. One last one. The life of Sarah. Who thinks Sarah was dangerous? Yeah. She was well dangerous. Past her age, but she gave birth and birthed the Israel nation. Let's look at verse 9. By faith, by, well done, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. So what she saw was, oh, well old. What she saw was, I'm past it. What she saw was, this is never going to happen. I've done a biology degree, God, and I know for a fact this won't work. Just to clarify, I'm adding that in. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> Just want to clarify that point. But why... why why what happened? She had an assurance of that which was unseen. Why? Because it was promised by God. And then she was able to walk dangerously. I think you're getting it by now, aren't you? Amazing. And I want to say this. For some of us, we are not walking in God's promises because we believe what we see more than the promise and the promise keeper. If you only do what you see, you'll never do the impossible. If you only do what you see, you won't walk dangerously. Let me ask you again. Who wants to walk dangerously? Great, well done. Who wants this kind of faith? 
Who wants that assurance of an unseen reality and a conviction of an unseen future reality? Hands up. I've got some good news for you. You can. Where do we read this? Romans 10, 17. So faith, the one we've just been looking at, looking at that assurance and conviction, comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, to have that conviction and that assurance of faith, we need to hear from him. Why don't we start with this? This is called God's word. This will build your faith. This is not a collection of stories, although of course it is. This is a supernatural book that will give you faith. You know I said earlier that faith is not saying, come on, believe, believe, believe. It's soaking yourself in God's word and saying, right, where are the promises of God around the unseen present reality? I'm going to read those and I'm going to believe those. When God says that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, I'm going to believe it. When God says that I'm ambassador for Christ, I'm going to believe that even if I don't feel like an ambassador. I mean, where's my cloak and my ring? If God says I'm a royal priesthood and that I should be a priest to others, then I'm going to believe that present reality. You see, we don't have faith. We lack faith oftentimes because we don't get into the truth and the word of God. And then we wonder why we become passive and why we, our walking faith is dormant. It's dormant because we don't pick up God's word. Can I invite the band up as I bring this plane to a, a land? And the other thing is we need to spend time in his presence to listen to him. I want to give you uh, something that happened last night to me. We're in the amazing worship night. And Lissy was just um, exhorting us, like encouraging us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And she said something along the lines of, ask Jesus what he thinks about you. I think those are the words, or akin to that. And I was like, Jesus, what do you think about me? And Jesus said to me, I could see him, he said, Mark, I'm so proud of you. And I've got to say, I started weeping because it really spoke to my spirit. I needed that encouragement. And that reality that he is there, that he loves me, he's for me, and he's proud of me, is the thing that I need in order to walk dangerously. Some of you, you need to know how proud he is of you, and that he loves you, and that he's got you, and that he's walking with you. Because once you have that faith, once you walk in that dangerous faith, you're going to be dangerous, and hell is going to know your name. Why don't we stand as I pray? Thank you, Lord.